0: It's another week of the Inside, Inside Sales Show, folks. How are you? How are you? I love asking that question because I genuinely care. I genuinely want you to do something right now. Do me a favor. Honest to God, do this right now. Send me a direct message on LinkedIn or Twitter or email and simply give me one word that describes how you're doing right now. It can be fine, great, awful, sucky, Brilliant, smashing, whatever. I want one word messages from you. And then I think I can do a social media post on that and I'll attribute you if your one word just really blows my mind. So that's the challenge. I was having this conversation the other day, actually, truth be told, I was having this conversation with today's guest. And we got on the whole topic of misinformation and we got down this this the, the he summed it up perfectly. He said, "He, ta- he ta- I was asking him how he was doing, just like I asked you how you're doing." And I said, uh, "You know how's it going?" And and you know we won't go into the the details, but he made one comment that made me laugh. And he's like, "You know, UFOs exist apparently, and nobody gives a shit." You know, that, you know, that's just one conversation. And it's funny because we were bonding on how back in the 80s, we worried about two things. We worried about nuclear war and we worried about, you know, the aliens coming to beam us up and take us away to their planet or, you know, harvest us or whatever you might want to call it. Um, and it's amazing how we've been so overwhelmed you could say with mis with information, you could say with misinformation, you can say with reality TV. I mean, our, our whole concept of normal has just completely changed. I was sharing on the weekend that I was having a family text exchange and and I was laughing and I was picking on my my kids and my my wife and trying to position myself as being untouchable. And I said, you know, I've got hashtag tiger blood. I'm a hashtag winner. And, you know, and then we talk about all the Netflix series that are out there right now that are just, you know, <laughs> just crazy talk. And what, is, what does all this matter? What does all this matter? Well, it matters because the definition of normal, the frameworks that define our understanding of what is right versus what is wrong, what is good versus what is bad, is, 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 is getting grayed out. It's blurring. Some would say it's disappearing. And often replaced with tribalism or partisanship where we're on team A or team B. And if you're on team A, you hate team B. If you're on team B, you hate team A, right? So for you in the sales world, maybe you have a certain style of email that you send. And any other style that's not that style is wrong, right? And this is why mine's right, even though perhaps your conversion numbers completely suck or maybe you've got a certain way of selling. And when you're called out on it, often the response is, well, that's how I do it. Meaning I'm not going to change. That's how I do it. I got news for you, kids. It's really simple. As complex as humans are, as complex as we all are, we're all in many ways wired similarly We react to similar messages. We trust based on similar signals or we don't trust based on similar signals, right? There's a lot of commonality. So what we need to do as sales reps is stop being overwhelmed by the noise, stop being overwhelmed by all the pundits who claim to be experts, but truly have no context or track record other than maybe they have a platform, maybe they speak loudly, maybe they're just a bully and you don't want to talk to them. And get back to the basics. We need to get rid of the misinformation and we need to go back to what works. So, today's class consider today's class where we're gonna do a little deprogramming we're gonna we're gonna wipe away some of the confusion we're gonna make this a very pragmatic episode and we're gonna go back to basics on what is actually a true tried proven technique that's as relevant today when it comes to sales I should say tactic not technique as it has been for decades upon decades upon decades. Today, my friends, I want to talk about the misinformation around what a real cold call is. How's that? Misinformation about a real cold call is. Have you heard any other podcasts out there frame the conversation that way? I bet you, you haven't. Now, who framed it that way for me? Well, let me go there. In life, we have certain people whom we trust, certain people whom we go to back and and back to the well over and over again, because they have proven themselves to be wise. They have proven themselves to be knowledgeable. They have proven themselves to be truthful. Whether you want to hear what they have to say or not, whether you like how the message is delivered or not, you know, when you hear the message that you need to factor it into what. You do. For some it's a parent, for some it's a friend, for some it's an aunt or an uncle. But for me, one of those people over and over again is my very good friend, Michael Padone, a repeat guest here for a reason on the inside inside sales show. Michael is the founder of Sales Buzz. Check it out at salesbuzz.com if you're online. Feel free to multitask. My friend Michael, welcome back to the show. I'm
1: blushing. I'm blushing. You're too kind.
0: You know, I am admiring because for those watching the video, you'll notice that I have red curtains, and it looks like Michael might have some red curtains. So we're bonding
1: on the red curtains. Yeah, if you ever if you ever come to visit and you stay in the guest room, that's what you're getting red Get the curtains. The red curtains. <laughs> Is there a casting couch there too? Just kind of curious. You know, uh, there's a door to the full bathroom, and then the exit to the pool. You're all set. That's dynamite. I like it. All right. So, Michael, we open up, uh, you and I, and we're talking about
0: misinformation, what a real cold call is. Now, I know you've got a story there that led to today's t- topic. So l- let's share with the audience your story that inspired us to talk about this.
1: Sure. Well, there's a couple of things. First thing, you mentioned that we have to get rid of the misinformation. I, you know, Darren, I think we're way – I don't think that, that – once that Pandora's box is open. I don't know if we're ever going to be able to get rid of stuff. I think people have to start to – not they have to research. They have to think things through. They can't just believe what they hear right away all the time. I think that the smart people or the luck maybe the lucky people, the smart people, whatever, they're the ones that are going to find the nuggets in all the noise and what's right and what makes most sense for them. And so, so I just you know I wanted to bring that up. I just you know the, I think misinformation and the ampl. When you give everybody in the world a voice, right? I mean, how how are you going to manage? That? And I don't want to live in a country or a world that you know manage that, but hopefully that we're going to start to be a little wiser and not just believe just because somebody has got a bunch of likes or something on a video or, or what have you. I mean, how many times have we seen a video where we know somebody's giving bad sales advice on, on LinkedIn, and they have a plethora of positive comments, right? (laughs) You just look at this going, I can't believe, I mean, I mean, look at all these people, you know, thinking this is the greatest information, you know, it's not going to work in the real world.
0: It's so true. Um, I see so many people, with, a like I, I mentioned in my, my opening ramble there, with a platform and just get out and, uh, you know, espouse stuff that I shake my head at. And often, okay, guys, guys and gals, I'm going to sound like the old guy again. You know I do this on occasion. You know, get off my long guy. Often what I'm seeing are people who are like 25 years old spew bullshit that – they believe to be true. They think it's true. It's their opinion that it's true. Their gut is telling them it's true. Therefore, it must be true, even though they've never done it or lived it, to know that it's absolute garbage. And too many people are so quick to get on that bandwagon to be loved and say, preach, out boy, love it, way to go, yeah! And all you end up doing, folks, is making yourself look as stupid as the person who says it is. To Michael's point, Park your tribalisms. Park your biases. You will only get better if you are a critical thinker. And again, like I said, you may not like what your trusted advisors say to you. You may disagree vehemently. In the moment, you may say you're full of shit, Praeo. That's okay. Been there. I want you to go back after this is done and think about it. Ponder for the next day or two or three. And after three days, you say, okay, maybe maybe there's a hint of truth. Then you know what, brother and sister, I applaud you for having that self-awareness and ability to do that and then adapting your play. All right, so that was the conversation around misinformation, but what led to this whole conversation around misinformation and what a real cold call is?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, and, and offline we were sharing how I have I have a client that was signing on and there was some hesitancy at first because somebody in the organization was like, well, we don't make cold calls. I'm like, well, one okay, that's fine. By the way, a lot of times people think since I, I, you know, my company and my livelihood is teaching people how to sell and sell over the phone, they think that I'm a cold call and I'm always an advocate for cold call. That's Listen, right if, had, right? if if you guys never had to make another cold call in your life, and nobody'd be happier than me, right? Because if you're having inbound warm hand raisers, that's totally fine. You still need to know how to sell. Otherwise, you're just an order taker, and you're gonna you're gonna close a lot less, right? So you still need to because if it's a hand raiser. And they're they're interested, chances are they're also talking to two or three of your other competitors as well, right? So you have to still have the sales skills for that. But when it comes back to the cold calling, my point was this. They're like, well, we don't make cold calls. I'm like, okay, well, let me ask you a question. Do you have inbound warm leads? Like, you know, are they are they calling you? And they're like, well, no, we send them an email first and then we follow up to see if they got the email. And it's like I just wanted to bang my head against the wall. I'm like, well, th- that you're still cold calling them, right? I mean, it's just because you sent somebody an email. First of all, that email is a cold email, I mean, the, here's the thing. The definition of a cold call, you ready for this? It's very simple. The definition of a cold call is contacting any prospect that is not currently raising their hand. It's that simple. By the way, that also means if you have, you have existing accounts and maybe it's time to, for them to reorder they haven't reordered from you in a while or you want to upsell them, when you call them just because they've done business with you in the past, it's still a cold call unless they were raising their hand. There's nothing wrong with that. When you go to LinkedIn and you see LinkedIn themselves, by the way, I love LinkedIn's platform. I use it myself all the time. I think I use it differently than most people do. But uh, with the LinkedIn sales navigator and thing, I really use LinkedIn to verify that that person's still there and their title matches before I, I reach out to them. But with that being said, if you ever looked at like LinkedIn sales navigator videos about how they sell their service, they say, don't make cold calls, research, see who's connected to you. And then leverage that to make a warm call. And I'm like, this is written by a marketing person who's never made a cold call in their life. They have no idea what, what the definition of a cold call is. And then what happens? Tons of people buy it thinking they're not making cold calls. And then they're still failing because they're not solving the real issue. And, and so that's where, and I loved what you said, and I actually wrote it down. You know, I don't think we'll be able to get rid of misinformation. So we need to, imp- the people that improve their critical thinking skills are the ones that are going to do the best. They're the ones that yep. are going to get ahead farther faster. So let me share a story with you, Michael,
0: on this conversation. And folks, we are going to give you some good tips and tricks on how to do a cold call. But yeah, part of sure. this is understanding why you need to do a cold call because there's too many of you out there who are falling back on what Michael just said with his prospective client, which is we just do email. And and you do it, and Michael, feel free to jump in here before I tell my story. You do it for a variety of reasons. One reason could be that phone scares the crap out of you and you don't want to do it. Rejection is bad. What if I talk to somebody live? All right. I don't want to be rejected live Two, you do it because, well, I don't have the right data. Everybody's working from home right now and I don't have the mobile numbers. So I I can't do that, even though there's a thousand sources out there that will show you where most of those numbers are. Um, You will do it because nobody uses the phone anymore. You try to try that angle. Nobody uses the phone anymore. I could go on. Those are three right there. Uh, Michael, what are some of the excuses, above and beyond, if any, that you hear for people not doing phoning?
1: Yeah, uh, the, it always goes back to to the the fear of rejection. Though the, all, everything else is all excuses, right? Because listen, just because people aren't working from home, a lot of companies have their their extensions forwarded to the person cell or yes. they have or they have the apps. Like I don't even have a phone, like a, a physical phone anymore because because you know uh, it's just an app on my desktop. That I can hit the dials. I get inbound outbound calls that way, right? So uh, it's it's really it's a, sure some people aren't going to have those phones, but that's why you need to learn how to. To leave a voicemail and then send it with an email that matches in order to get them to the people to call back. That's how come you have to know how when you when you do call an organization and if everybody's working from home, but it still goes to a secretary, right, or a gatekeeper, you have to know how to interact with them to encourage them to want to give the right message to increase your chances of a callback. So these are it, it all goes back to in the majority of the time, if they solve the fear of the phone, if they solve the fear of being rejected, which is very easy to solve, by the way, if they they, once they solve that, all these other excuses go away. And again, you start doing the right things the right way, the right times, and now you're going to start making more money.
0: Okay. So I'm to tell my story. But as an individual contributor as opposed to a sales team, um, Michael would obviously sell to sales leadership to train the entire team. But if you just are taking ownership of your own training, mm-hmm. uh, there's a good book written by Andrea Waltz called Go For No." Give it a read. And it's all about dealing with rejection and how you gamify code calling to actually get over the rejection. It's brilliant. So for an individual contributor, check that out. Um, I love that Michael was sharing his story with his prospect where they're saying that they don't do any code calling. They just do email followed by email followed by email. So if you're a regular listener here on the show, you know I've been hammering from the rooftops for as long as, you know, the history of time, omni-channel engagement. There's a reason. My story brings it all together. Uh, we do regular group training and one-on-one training here at the company. Uh, yesterday, yesterday we were on a group training call, so all of the sales team, the sales leadership, um, and we're we're actually literally doing live phone calls. Okay, okay, uh, Michael, uh, share your screen. Boom. Okay, so you're calling you're calling John Doe. Okay, Michael, go. And boom, you know, calls John Doe. Everybody can hear both sides of the conversation because we're, we're using Zoom. We're sharing the screen. We're sharing the audio because, to, to Michael's point, we're using a VoIP app, not an actual hard phone. And so everybody can hear everything. We hear both sides of the conversation. And a couple things happen, right? So either you connect and then we're going to go through and critique afterwards how the conversation went, which happened, or you leave a voicemail. Etc. And what you do, of course, is you critique the voicemail as well. And then you critique the tone and then delivery and the pace and the messaging, whether it's a live conversation or a voicemail and you do it as a group and you learn from it. And we always tie it back to our, our, approved messaging, our ICP, our personas, and the actual sales methodology and framework and how you do it. And part of what we were showing the team yesterday, beyond all the above, was that you can actually, with a properly prepared list, you can crank through a shitload of calls in a relative hurry, and we're using a three-touch, initial three-touch. So to Michael's point... How we were showing them yesterday, and this is just one way, it's not the only way, you'll figure out your way, is we're saying, do a connection request on LinkedIn in that message, you know, personalize it and say, I'm going to call you, I'm going to leave a voicemail next, so check out for that. So now they know what's coming next, so you're you're already establishing some breadcrumbs. And then you do the voicemail, and then the voicemail, you say, I'm going to follow up with a link, um, with uh, with an email. And then you follow it up with an email, and so you may know, have three different touch points to actually get a message across three different ways. And what was really interesting when we were working with this technique and everything, one of the questions came up because they're asking me behind the scenes is I'm just watching. I'm observing, right? I'm, I'm the CRO. I don't actually get my hands dirty anymore. Don't be silly. I just I just pay people to get their hands dirty so we can hit our numbers. And But they're asking me, Daryl, you're a buyer. What's your reaction to voicemails? Do you listen to them? And my response was this. I rarely return a voicemail unless their messaging was so dynamite. And so specific and so timely on what I need. Uh, And too many of you are saying, hi, I'm with company ABC, and we improve productivity by 42%, and you should call us to talk about your quarterly objectives. Can I have 10 minutes in your calendar? That message would never get me to call you back. Um, So there's that element. I said, But when I see the LinkedIn and the voicemail and the email, right away, a part of me goes – okay, I I now know Michael Bedoni. He's like chasing me down. This is cool. So I may wait three, four, five, or six more touches before I finally respond. He's going to wear me down, but he's going to stand out from the crowd. But I said something interesting to them. I said this. I said, do I check my voicemail regularly? No. But guess what? Remember, Michael said, many of them have their phones forwarded to their cell phone. Here's another angle. I said, every single voicemail I get it's transcribed and emailed to me in real time. Mm-hmm. So even though I'm not listening to your message, I'm getting your message. And too no. many of you don't understand that. And I, and I go, why would you never make a phone call when that's pretty normal these days? So there you go. That was, that was my story I wanted to share. Michael. You're spot on. What do we need to do to change the misinformation of well, what a real cold call is? Or said another way, What would you tell that prospect that you were dealing with on why they should do it and some easy tactical things they can implement immediately to get better results?
1: Well, I just gave him the real definition. Defin- you know, like I said earlier, I just gave him the real definition of what a cold call is. And so you, you know, the, then it just goes back to their original point. So let, let me ask a question. Are, are you guys hitting the numbers that you need to or not? Just yes or no, right? And it's like, and I don't mean the numbers that you want to hit. I mean, like, are you below that threshold of where you need to be doing something better? Or is this just a want to have? And it's like, no, we need to be doing better. Okay, let's go back, right? So I that's a real sales scenario, right? So anytime you get an objection, you got to go back to your original pain point. Got That's why it's called a hot button. You got to repush it, you know, make sure it was re- you really did get the hot button point and then bubble it back up to the top before we address the cold call. So that's how I handled that situation. But with that being said, I really think that, you know, by if you live by the definition of a cold call is contacting any prospect or existing account that's not raising their hand, that's okay. So now just approach, just get over it and just approach it. So how do you make a cold call? How do you make better yet? How do you make a successful cold call? And here's the one thing that I learned that works in every industry. and This is why when I do my sales training, it doesn't matter what industry you're in. Because, listen, this is what I look for. Are you business to business, right? Okay, and you're in the United States or Canada, perfect. You know, that's like 99% of my clients, then we should talk, especially if you have outbound sales teams. So the thing is this, is how do you make a successful cold call no matter what industry you're in? Because that's the other thing too, right? People like, if you try to give somebody sales advice, like, well, if you ever worked in my industry, you don't know our industry. I'm like, no, but I know how to sell. And the process is the same. I mean, people have to understand sales is really like baseball. Every time you pick up the phone, you're in the batter's box, right? And so when you pick up the phone, you're in the batter's box. Your job is to at least get the first base. Well, I want to hit a home run. Okay. Let's say you hit a home run. You still have to run around and touch all the bases in order. If you hit a double, you can't run from home plate across the pitcher's mound to second base. That's that, that's like a that's like a war, that's, But see, you're, you're laughing. But so many so many I salespeople, know.
0: they want so the shortcut.
1: So many salespeople on inbound warm leads they do that analogy. They skip steps. So that's why it does to me, it doesn't matter if you cold call or warm call. If it's outbound sales and you're not hitting your numbers, chances are my solution is going to help because when you get an inbound warm late, how many times these salespeople, they just go right to scheduling the demo or they ask what their title is of that person. They just, they skip so many steps. They don't even get problem recognition. They go right to the demo and they hope for the best. Sometimes it works because they were warm, but a lot of times it doesn't and you miss those opportunities. So let's go back to what I was going to say, how to make a cold call before I got off that tyrant no matter what industry you're in, the first step to making a cold call is this. You have to peak interest in the first few seconds of the call. If you cannot peak their interest in the first few after what, after within that five seconds after hello, my name is, if you can't peak their interest, nothing else matters. So how do you do that? Well, you have to know the formula, right? And so what the formula is this. Well, first thing is this, is you have to know what what are the top two or three pain points your target audience would have to have in order for them to be interested in your solution, whether they recognize the problem or not? So your business is only in business because it develops solutions, solution or solutions for specific problem or problems, right? Well, now I hear, well, you know we solve lots of problems. Well, okay, well, this is how you need to know how to segment your list and build your ICP, your ideal customer profile, so you know, okay, let me give you an example. Companies in the U.S., 200 to 500 employees, sales directors have 10 or more sales reps. I know if that's the guy, I build that list, I call them. Guess what? Chances are some of them, their reps aren't hitting their numbers, and they're struggling with call reluctance. They're sending more emails. They're not hitting the phones. They're collecting a nice salary though, but they're not hitting their numbers. Right? I know I can build a whole entire list and then call them and go, hey, Daryl, it's Michael Padone at salesbuzz.com. How are you? You're like, yeah, sure. What's, what can I do for you? Who are you? Well, listen, the reason for my call, I specialize in helping outbound sales teams overcome call reluctance. 90% of the time, I get a, they want to hang on the phone. How do you, if you're a sales director, how do you say, how do you not want to hear what I have to say next? Now, if I called and said, well, we provide sales training Every person on that list that I just, you know, 200 to 500 employees, VP of sales, 10 or more sales reps, every single one of them has internal sales training. Not one of them doesn't. So if I call and say, hey, we provide sales training, I'll get the, no thanks, I understand, we're all set, we already have something like that. But if I call and I agitate a pain or scratch an itch that their solution's not solving, the opening value statement did its job. It piqued their interest just enough, not to make them buy or wanna hear a presentation, the opening value statement has two things that it has to do. The first thing it has to do is peak their interest. When it peaks their interest, I just bought myself five to 10 more seconds, and that's all I needed. So now I get the first base. And now when I'm there, you have to know what to, you have to know what to do next to get the second and then bring it all the way home. Does that make sense? It makes perfect
0: points? sense. And we've had okay. this conversation on so many past episodes. Like there's so much that's coming together here. So for those who are regular listeners, if okay, for those who aren't, go back and listen to the last like 10 or 15 episodes, and, and they will you'll hear this over and over again. A couple of things come to mind. Uh one is uh omni-channel outreach, all right, that includes the phone. Two is Stop taking shortcuts. This is why I keep on hammering you guys all over, all, all, all the time, right? First base. I love the analogy. First base, second base, etc. It's It's a process. We've talked about the phone where you've kind of got like seven or eight seconds to pique their interest, 12 seconds max to actually get them to trust you or not. 30 seconds, to, they'll, they'll, they maybe will grant you where, where you need permission at that point in time to actually carry on the conversation. If you can't do it, stop it. Stop with all the pleasantries. How's the weather? How you doing? What about those, uh, you know, what about the Olympics? Whatever you want to call it about, stop all, the, all that crap because nobody cares. It's just killing you right away. It just screams sales message because you want to respect the the buyer. Other thing we've been hammering, hammering, hammering on is understanding your ideal customer profile and your personas. I challenged you, if you recall, do you know your ideal customer profile? Can you actually tell me? And if not, go back to your colleagues and actually hammer that out so you understand what exactly those things that you're. As Michael said, the top two to three pain points your audience would have to have to be interested in your solution. That goes back to your ICP and the persona. And the other thing we've talked about is hyper hyper segmenting your list so that you can. Hyper, hyper personalize the message so that your likelihood of resonating with your ICPs you call into them is dramatically higher as opposed to having a very broad, generic message. And when all you're doing is talking about your product, there's nothing hyper personalized about that at all. So if you want to do 20, 30, 40 calls a day as part of your regular prospecting routine, just make a hyper list of these 30 people. I'm going to call these 30 people today. I'm going to do a combination, maybe LinkedIn, email, phone. Right on day one, I'm going to call them. And they have the following attributes in common. All right. Maybe it's job title. Maybe it's location. Could be a city, for example. And the city becomes part of your message. Who the hell knows? But I love the whole point is, you know, Michael said, I help people, you know, reduce call reluctance. Okay. He's right. I'm like hanging on the edge of my seat. If this is vanilla soft, I've heard our reps use a variety of lines. We stop reps from cherry picking leads. Imagine me calling into a marketing guy and saying, we stop reps from cherry picking the leads you're sending them and call them all instead. The marketing guy is going to go, tell me more, right? That's it. Evo, sure. We do a shitload more. All right. So that's all about a cold call. Now, Michael, we talked about the cold call. You've brought in so many pieces together. This is what kept on going back to you. What We've not talked about though, is the voicemail. Mm. So what tips and tricks can you give me on the voicemail?
1: See, so you have, the voicemail should be matching what your opening values. If I call you, I say, Daryl, it's Michael at SalesBuzz, I'm calling because, right? Let's just start right there. You just want to know why I'm calling. I, I've, I've peaked your interest in the first second and a half or two seconds just to hear the next two seconds so you can make a determination if you're hitting the delete button or not. That's all I want to do. Now, I have, there are three templates that I use for cold calling. You ready with, You ready for them? I'm ready for them. Okay. You have the competition template. Well, when you have the straight up cold call, you have the competition and then you have the referral. So the cold call one was the one that I gave you. The first example was where I just said reason for my call. I help outbound sales teams overcome call reluctance. Now, by the way, Side note: Notice those pauses there. That's all by design. If I would have ran through that too fast, it you know, it's just a marketing message that goes by too fast. You don't want that. So I pause for effect, so I let it sink in. But that's just, that's what I would call the cold call template. I'm hitting the pain point right out of the gate. A second one that I use, which is one of my favorites, especially if you're calling niches and into a niche, is called the competition template. Let me give you an example. I used to work way, way many years ago. I used to work at Dupont Registry, which is I worked in the online division where. I was selling to other general managers of Ferrari, Lamborghini dealerships, things of that nature. And basically, we had at the time, it was the uh, auto trader of online luxury market. This is where all your rock stars, hedge fund guys go to buy their their Lamborghinis to find out who has it in stock, right? So we had to call these general managers of these dealerships to get them to want to pay us thousands of dollars to in- list their inventory with us online. And if you call them and you start asking about their marketing or what they're doing to, you know, for marketing, they're going to hang up on you right? Because these guys eat, sleep and breathe moving $300,000 cars. They don't have time to be talking about this other stuff. So I call them and, and this this is how I would get them on the phone. Go, I would say, listen, the reason for my call, we just helped Shelton Ferrari hit their numbers last month. And if we have a second, I'd like to ask you a few questions to see if we can help you as well. Now they're like, okay, yeah, because now they want to know, hey, how did Shelton Ferrari beat us last month in numbers? And I would get the numbers report of their sales volume all the time, right? So it's called the competition. You could do that in, in any of your businesses. If you know you have a big Let me just back up one more. Before I started Sales Buzz, I started an SEO company in 2002. I right? started this company, sold it a couple of years later. But with that being said, I took on a client first, did the one of the biggest ones in Tampa, biggest name in Tampa Bay. Did theirs for free. Got them really excellent results. Got a testimonial, and now I was able to call all the other top companies in Tampa, going, "Hey, the reason for my call. I recently helped so and so get top rankings for for on on Google, and and it was just that was it. It was just right away. So you have the the cold call, the competition, and then the referral. The referral is real simple. A Referral could be somebody outside the organization, or if it's a large organization, like take for example, three M is one of my accounts. I did one organ one division contacted them. They loved it. Then I called a division in uh, over in the UK Say, hey, I recently helped the 3M division over in Minneapolis to do XYZ Is a potential that they said I might be able to help you as well. Took the call right away. Or you could use a referral to where somebody that's outside of there, but you've actually had that conversation with, you could use it as a name. So there's three ways that you can create your message to your audience. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense, and I'm laughing because we've
0: covered so much of this content recently in other ways, shapes, and forms. Okay, folks, time out. I'm calling an audible. This conversation is going way longer than I expected, but hopefully you agree with me. It is fire. So we decided to make this a two-parter. Don't go anywhere. We're going to finish this show next week on the next episode. And I tell you, I'm telling you now, it it, it does not disappoint. Tune in next week. We'll see you then.